Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo, and you are listening on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? We have a good uh, episode for you today. We're going to touch on some of the big things that have happened over the last... Um, week or so. Um, unfortunately, no, we don't have a guest today. Our last guest, I got a lot of good feedback on him, Sam Gabrielli. He'll be on again at some point. Like I said, he is a meteorologist in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where I live um, and where he um, works. We both work at Dakota News now here in Sioux Falls. He's great. Uh, we talk tennis all the time in the office. Um, I guess if you could just mic us up all the time to talk about tennis, it would be some pretty good content. So we'll have him on again. Um, I know he he enjoys talking tennis, and he's got an interesting story with being a ball boy. So uh, I think that's kind of funny and kind of cool at the same time. But um, today we're going to talk a little bit about, um, I mean, mostly the big three. Um, the big three have started out um, 2020 pretty solid. It's kind of not the big three anymore. I'll get to that a little bit later. But um, nevertheless, it will always be the big three to us. Um, I just want to start off by talking about a couple other tournaments that before I get to Dubai and Acapulco. Um, Acapulco is what it's called. Um, I first want to start with uh, Delray Beach. That's where Jack Sott got his first win in like 16 months. Um, He beat uh, Radu Albit who was, I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe he was the reigning champion of Delray. Um, but um, Nishioka was in the final against Riley Opelka, and Riley Opelka ended up winning that in three sets. Um, that's a little bit of a smaller tournament because it's a 250, but it, nevertheless, it is in Delray Beach. And I think a lot of players, especially American players, like playing in that one because it's home too because it's, you know, it's Florida. Um, and then let's get to another smaller tournament. Um, that was going on over the last a week, couple weeks or so. Um, that one was already over. Um, Santiago, sorry, I couldn't find it. Um, Santiago, um, Tiago Wild won that one. Tiago Wild, the youngster, um, won the clay court tournament in Chile, the Chile Open. Um, and I don't believe there were a lot of big name players in this or a big, I mean, Casper Rude was in it. Um, the young gun, um, other than that, not really. It was a pretty small tournament. Like I said, it's clay. Um, it was in Chile. The South the South American tour is getting a little less and less, I think. Um, just less players going down there, more staying. Um, I mean, Acapulco is a good tournament. Um, and Dubai is big at this time as well, where Roger Federer was supposed to be before, um, before he got hurt. But I think... There's a few tournaments at the same time as those, so it's kind of hard, and those tournaments are ATP 250s and not ATP 500s, and if you're a good player, you're probably not messing with the 250s when there's 500s going on at the same time. Um, I want to start with Dubai. Um, Dubai was a good tournament. It was supposed to be even a better tournament with Roger Federer being there, but Roger Federer backed out. He couldn't play in Dubai because of his uh, arthroscopic knee surgery. Um but anyway, there were good players there. Uh, Djokovic, Tsitsipas, Monfils, Fagnini, Batista Agut, Rublev, Hachinov. Um, I mean, great players. Um, and there were some good matches. I mean, Novak, Novak um, almost lost to Monfils 
and you know almost lost. He lost the first set two six, won the second set ten eight in a tiebreaker, then won six one in the last to put him into the finals against Sitsipas. And it wasn't really that much of a match in the finals. I mean, there's such a big difference between Novak Djokovic and everybody else right now. He is clearly outplaying everybody, and that's why he's won 21 straight matches um, in 2020. No one is touching Joker right now, and I know he won. um, Yes, he won Melbourne. Yes, he won a few others, but um, or he didn't win a few others, but he did win this one um, in Dubai. But no one's touching Novak. I think he made a joke during his presser or during his post-match interview in Dubai that was like, (laughs) <laughs> he said something along the lines of like, yeah, my goal is to go undefeated. No, I'm just kidding, blah, blah, blah. But is he really kidding? I mean, the way he's playing is phenomenal. What he could what he could play like. Um, he hasn't lost. He's unbelievable. Um, they won the ATP Cup. Then they go on, or he won the ATP Cup. Then he wins the Australian Open, and now he wins Dubai. I mean, there's nobody touching Novak Djokovic right now. I mean, he's truly the best player in the world, and I don't think anybody's going to touch him for a while. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't. I have a feeling that Rafa is not going to win the French. Now, could he? Yeah, very much so. But I mean, Novak's playing really well. Um, team is playing really well. Um, I mean, there's so many guys playing really well right now. And you look at Guy Monfils. I mean, Novak said it in one of his press conferences the other day or post match interviews. He's like. Guy Monfils could be one of the best players in the world by by the end of the year, and he will be if he's if he keeps what he if he keeps it up how he's playing right now. He's number nine in the world, and he's only going to go up from there. He's playing, he's tied right now with Matteo Berrettini. He's playing a lot better than Berrettini is. Um, Medvedev hasn't played great, but um, he got his points at the beginning of last season, so he'll keep his points for a while. Uh, Sitsipas is playing good. Um, I mean, he could be top five easily by the end of the year. Um, the way he's playing right now, granted that he can maintain the, his playing style and how he's going right now, which is obviously a hard playing style to be. Um, but nevertheless, he could. Um, let's move on to, let's go to Rafael Nadal, who played in uh, Acapulco in Mexico. And he was the favorite to win this one, like he is most tournaments. But the way he plays, the way he goes about his business is, it seems easy. And I hate to say that, but it seems easy for him. Um, number one seed was Nadal, two seed Zverev, three seed Vavrinka, four seed FAA, Felix Ogier, Aliasim, five seed John Isner, six seed Kyrgios, seven seed Dimitrov. And there were a lot of good matches in this tournament. Um... Dimitrov played really well. He ended up actually beating Vavrinka 6-4-6-4. Kyle Edmund played well. Him and Taylor Fritz went head-to-head. Isner played well. He beat Tommy Paul. Then the semis, it was Dimitrov and Nadal, and then the other side was Taylor Fritz and John Isner, the Americans going at it. And Rafael Nadal ends up beating Dimitrov 6-3-6-2. That's what I'm saying. Like Dimitrov can have a great tournament. He can beat Vavrinka. He can play well the whole way through. And then come against Nadal, and it's like a new world. That's just how good Rafael Nadal is. And some people may find it frustrating. Some people may love it. Matters where you are on the fan spectrum. 
but he's slowly, slowly, slowly creeping up to being the best of all time. Um, then the other side was Taylor Fritz, and then it was John Isner. So um, Taylor Fritz ends up making the final after a three-set thriller against Isner. And then it meets Nadal and Fritz in the final, which is like, man, this is going to be all right. And what was it? It was all right. Um, 6-3, 6-2, Rafael Nadal takes the title in Acapulco. And, um, I mean, it's just becoming clockwork. And I think a lot of people might be frustrated by it, but that's how Rafael Nadal works. It puts him um, fourth in the all-time most ATP titles. It goes Jimmy Connors has 109. Roger Federer has 103. Ivan Lendl has 94, Rafael Nadal has 85, and Novak Djokovic has 79. And I think when it comes to titles, everyone, when they're talking about who's going to be the best of all time, who's going to have the most grand slams of all time, that's going to be the thing that everyone looks at is grand slams. But you don't forget about the ATP titles. This is about the endurance of a season. The person who can win the most 500s, the most 1,000s, the 250 tournaments earlier in their career. This is, I mean, these guys are playing all sorts of tournaments, and that means the longevity of who's there. Now, granted, Djokovic and Nadal have longer left, but they haven't won near the tournaments that Roger Federer has. They're nearly 20 behind, 20, 25 behind they are. And so if you look at who's won the most ATP titles, now granted, I don't really have the stats on what number titles they were. Were they 250s? Were they 500s? Were they 1,000s? Were they majors, Grand Slams? I don't have those numbers, but at the end of the day, Roger Federer has won significantly more ATP titles than Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic. Now, will that be what everyone looks at? I don't know. I don't really know what it's going to be at the end of their career because as they get older, it's shown that Roger Federer plays less tournaments. As they get older, Rafael Nadal will play less tournaments. As he gets older, Novak Djokovic will play less tournaments, and they'll just focus on the Grand Slams. So right now, yeah, Roger Federer is way ahead, but I see this staying that way because the Rafael Nadal, the Novak Djokovic, when they start having families, kind of like Roger Federer did, they will slow down. They will start playing less smaller tournaments. They will focus more on the Grand Slams because the Grand Slams are what they want to win, and that's where you need the endurance. You can't be that fit and continue to play at that high level when you're that old playing in all these tournaments. Example number one, Roger Federer didn't play in the ATP Cup. Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic did. That's what I'm talking about. So that'll be really interesting to see over the next five, six, maybe even seven years of Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic's career is to see how many tournaments they continue to play. Like, I said, like I've said before, Nadal just got married. So that could play a factor in it, whether he wants to spend more time in Spain or if you want to spend more time with this woman, or he wants to start a family, who knows? But he's not getting any younger. Rafael Nadal will be 33 in June, so he's getting up there. He'll be 34 soon, and then you look at a guy like Novak Djokovic, he's 32, and he'll be 33 in May. So they're one year apart, yeah, but how long can they continue to play at this level? Who knows? And if they continue to play at this level, how long can they continue to play at this level? And then people like Zverev, Tsitsipas, Team, Berrettini, those guys, Daniil Medvedev, he gets forgotten a lot, Rublev, until those guys come into the conversation and start playing well against the bigger guys like Djokovic, like Nadal. And that's what we're seeing right now with Roger Federer. Can he still continue to beat 
the guys that are coming up, the up-and-comers, right now, yes, he can. But if he still plays for another three years in that last year or so of, you know, of him playing, can he continue to be that good? Who knows? That is something only time will tell. But that's something definitely to be thinking about if you're watching tennis right now is, one, can these guys maintain this level of greatness for how long with these guys right on their butt moving forward? You know, there's guys right behind them that are still good, just as good, and if not better at times. Um, and that'll definitely be something um, to look forward to. Do they have the it factor? Who knows? Dominic Team's been in a final or two. Does he have the it factor? He hasn't been able to win. That's something that will be questioned throughout you know, the next few years. But speaking of Dominic Team, um, I kind of said, I kind of hinted to this earlier. I don't know if you guys caught it, but I said the big three. Well, kind of the big three. Yeah, because right now, the top three seeds in the world, the top three rankings are Novak Djokovic at number one, Rafael Nadal at number two, at number three, Dominic Team. Dominic Team just jumped Roger Federer, and that has a lot to do with the tournaments that Roger Federer is playing. Roger Federer is not playing a lot of tournaments, and it's going to hurt him seeding-wise not to play in these major tournaments, um, Indian Wells, Miami, Dubai, the ones he's skipping before Wimbledon. He's not playing in the French. He'll get no points in the French. Last year, he got to semis in the French. This year, he'll get no points in the French. But that'll hurt him significantly, um, in ranking, which is something else to look for when he's playing at Wimbledon. What will he be ranked going into Wimbledon? Will he be like a six or seven? Because that will deeply affect the people he has to play. If you're a top three seed, you're not playing, I don't want to say not great players, but not as great of players until maybe quarterfinals final or quarterfinal semis. But if you drop out of the top five and you get to the six, seven, eight, nine, ten spot in a tournament, you're going to struggle making it to the quarterfinals final, especially at the age Federer is. He's going to be playing a lot more of those four or five set matches like he did in the Australian Open. Now, does it take a toll on his body? Of course. Does it affect him? Of course. But he's 38 years old and still rock being a rock star on the court. So he can handle it, but it's can he handle it, get to the final and play Novak or Rafa in the final? That's definitely something um, to keep an eye on. About a year ago at this time, I think it was Monday, um, or a year ago on Monday, uh, March 3rd, Roger Federer got his 100th career victory, um, ATP victory, and that put now he's at 103, but that's kind of an anniversary I wanted to throw out there. Um, and then there's just one more topic I kind of want to talk about. Um, before I got on the podcast today, I was watching spring, um, spring training baseball, and it was um, the Cubs versus the Angels, and they had mic'd up. Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant. Now, if you watch baseball, you know those are really good players for the Cubs. They're two superstars, the two big ones when they won the World Series. And they had them mic'd up. Um, and it really got me thinking about media and sports and how far that the media and sports have come um, the, with the technology and also how much you can, um, especially in preseason um, or spring training in their case, how much the media is involved. And then if you look at the new XFL um, which is like a new football league here in America, um, right now, they're interviewing players during games. Um, they're interviewing coaches during games. I mean, the media is starting to step their way farther and farther and farther into sports. And I'm starting to think, at what point, I know we've done it before with 
if the coaches can talk to the players um, via headset, I think they tried it at the next gen finals, but the coaches can talk to players via headset um, between between games, you know, during switchover. I'm interested to see during maybe some of these smaller tournaments that are live broadcasted, whether it be like Indian Wells or other tournaments like that. The problem is, is there's so much money on the line, um, especially at places like Indian Wells, Miami, um, Dubai, Acapulco, stuff like that. The, the problem with tennis is there's always so much money on the line. With baseball and football, there's, you know, there's guaranteed stuff and it's a little bit different. But I would be interested in some of these smaller tournaments if the fans at home could get access to the headset conversation between coaches and players. And I know that right now they're starting to get coaches in, or letting players be coached a little bit more at these matches, but I'd be very interested um, to see where this goes, um, coaches and players interaction, where that goes, and where in that plan is there wiggle room for letting viewers in on that? Because that could be some really good TV. Get them in the brains or even um, get them in the brains of some of these top players. Even at the Laver Cup, um, they do a little bit of it now. But, I mean, miking up all the players or putting a big boom mic right um, right where all the players sit and even at the ATP Cup and listening to their conversations about the match. You know, listening to Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal talk about you know, Dominic team playing out there, Sferov's match, be like, oh, that should have been that. Just stuff like that, letting people more in the sport of tennis because tennis is a sport, it's a specialty sport. The people that like it really like it because they know tennis. You have to really know tennis to enjoy good tennis and really understand good tennis. And if you let people start getting into tennis and getting into the brains of some of the best players in some of these smaller events or different events, I think that could be a really, really, really big plus for the sport of tennis. Now, granted, that's just my two cents on it, and I just wanted to throw that out there because I was thinking about it, and I was, and I have thought about it before. And tennis has dabbled in that a little bit, but I just want to chuck something out there for you guys to really, you know, think about over the next, um, over the over the next few weeks. You know, think of it might be a good idea. Maybe we can speak it into existence somehow. But it's not a bad idea. I don't think. I mean, I came up with it, so I don't think it's a bad idea. Um, I also don't think it's necessarily new to the sport. Like in exhibitions, they can talk um, with a headset on. But um, definitely something to think about moving forward. Um, today's episode is sponsored by Still Nobody. Um, if you want to sponsor, reach out to at Believe Podcast or at Believe.com. That is B-L-E-A-V. Um, at Believe Podcast is their at name on Twitter and Instagram. Mine is at Jacob Sersosimo, C-E-R-S-O-S. IMO. I take it if you're listening to this podcast, you probably saw my name somewhere, but reach out to me on social media. Let me know what you want to talk about. Let, let me know what you think about that topic because I think it's an interesting topic, um, letting media more into tennis players' um, heads just to understand the game a little bit more. Um, like you said, you can reach out to me if you want to hear something. Um, uh, I'm probably going to try to have another guest on here in the next few weeks. Um, I'm really going to push towards that. And, but other than that, that'll do today's episode. Um, like I said, the big three are doing great. Um, Dominic Team has moved his way into the top three, and it would be very, very, very interesting to see where media takes its way into the future of the game of tennis. But that'll do it for today's episode. Have a good rest of your week. Take care. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.